Hey everybody, we've got The Beat is live! Sort of. It depends on when you're hearing this, which is later. So it's not live. <laughs> it's live while we're recording it. It's technically like both. <laughs> I don't it's know. It's box. I have never it derailed live, this. It's live and not, not live all at once. I have never derailed this fast in my life. Good God. Hey, do you need... Do you need to start over? Oh, fuck no. We're going straight through this. <laughs> Guys. I think it's charming that we can't do one entire episode without losing our shit. No. <laughs> it, is, it is currently five degrees outside. The wind is like negative 20. So, um, yes, we picked the winter movie, which I almost regret now because all I want to think about is like tropical weather. <laughs> Um, okay, next time we'll do tropical movies just to find some balance of yeah. life. Well, it's funny. is Sometimes I try to make episodes relevant to the time that we're in, but I keep forgetting yeah, that. Sure. There's, but there's always like a month delay or so from when I record to when I post, um, especially yeah. lately because I try to over-record during a certain time of year. Oh. So I have yeah. like 14 episodes in the can right now. So. Um, but I mean, also... Just, just repeat them over and over again, listeners. We we think that they have great repeat value. <laughs> uh, this episode, we're doing a double feature of Snow Day. And look, if I knew the remake was going to basically be the same exact movie, I would have picked something else. I okay. like remakes that take the concept and make it their own. I didn't know that almost every single scrap bit of the first movie is going to be in the remake. Uh, there's hardly any songs. Yeah, the songs are fine. That's the best part of the movie, the dancing and the singing part. I okay. almost well, almost all the songs work. I think there's a couple stinkers in there. But I was like, "Oh, this is just less appealing and lower budget and uh, there's one name in this, Rob Hubel." I was kind of surprised Paramount really just probably spent like 8 million dollars shooting it up in Calgary or something, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I thought that for some people, they do recognize the person who is that's the guy who played the dad. Plays the dad, right? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. From most people probably yeah. know him from like, um, what is that? A Human Giant, the sketch comedy with him, and uh, 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 that was probably his first thing. But he's always like known for like being a tool. He's like really good at being a jackass. Yes. Well, the the lady who plays the mom, uh, she is very recognizable to some uh, circles. Uh, her name is Laura Bell Bundy, I think, and she's very, very well known in the Broadway scene. Okay. Which is bizarre. Yeah. They would cast a Broadway star and never have her sing. Yeah, I was like, I said, oh yeah, yeah, and then I realized, wait, she, but she didn't get to exhibit any of that. <laughs> um. So it's it's the script is one hundred percent the same except for the musical numbers, and I don't like the kid. That's the one thing. The main boy. The main boy in uh, the remake stinks. Mm-hmm. He's very like cliche. I don't. I generally think that everyone is a poor, poor man's version of the original. Yeah. With with the exception of the girl who plays the best friend, was pretty good. Yeah, that was funny. I like the little girl. An, and the, she's a really good singer too. I thought the little girl, the sister, was really funny too. She was funny, but she's. For some reason, in this interpretation, she seems borderline, like, psychotic. <laughs> like, in, in the original, it didn't seem so... 
menacing. She seemed like a little evil, evil menacing creature in this one. <laughs> I, I just thought she was funny. That's all. <laughs> she was a good kid, a good person. <laughs> um, so the original is really early in uh, the days of Nickelodeon movies. I think the first one is Harriet the Spy. I could be wrong. Um, oh, okay. I, they did Good Burger. Uh, um, I think a couple like I think they did a, well, maybe they had done a Wild Thun- Thornberry's movie by this point but I know they did a Rugrats movie and that's about it this is when Paramount decided that the companies they own they're going to try to mold into production companies like MTV uh, had a bunch of movies and uh, Nickelodeon at this time and I think even Comedy Central got a few in around this time because they did like the, the South Park and I think they did Pootie Tang or something um, yeah. Sada Tay on the tippy tie, <laughs> and for the most part, it was pretty successful. I I don't even know besides the Ninja Turtles movie if Nickelodeon Productions is still a thing. Do you see? I know MTV is not a company really anymore. Um, I mean, I'm looking to see a Nickelodeon movies production company. Um, I mean, most of the movies that they, they've done, the majority are animated. You see Paw Patrol in 2021. Oh, that's one of those? Ninja, okay. Like you said, Ninja Turtles, Good Burger 2 in 2023, right? You know, um, Dora and the Lost City, 2019. Uh, yes, they, so yeah, they are still doing Pause of Fury 2022. So about, about one a year or more. Well, it's interesting. More animated than anything. What's interesting about this movie is, for the most, most of Nickelodeon productions are on pre-existing material. They're either adapting yeah. a cartoon or a TV show, or they're trying to mold their stars, like the way Disney would, into studio leads. Whereas this one is mostly focused around the creators of Pete and Pete, the guys who wrote it and the guy who directed most of the episodes. They're the team that put this together. And I think this is why one of the better Paramount movies, I wish it was a little bit weirder, more of that idiosyncratic tone that Pete and Pete has. Um, yes. Cause they're, and I feel like there was studio meddling. You know that what what's that? Not Josh Gad, or was that his name? What's the kid that? Uh, not Josh Gad. What is the kid that's in this that was in the brothers that show with the two brothers you love so much? It's where Josh Peck. Josh, Josh Peck, yeah. I am guaranteeing you they added all those fart sounds in in post production. I mean, goddamn, why why was he why was he just a fart joke? That's it, and I bet you that broke his heart. This is probably one of his very first things. Because I, I know it's before Max Keeble, and I know it's before his TV show. And can you imagine? He's like this little kid who's, you know, just new to this industry, and all of a sudden, oh, I'm just going to be treated like it's an 80s thing where the fat guy farted a lot, ate too much. I mean, that's a bullshit fucking joke. I mean, that was most of the jokes for him in, in his show, too. They really kind of. He took a beating, and so I'm frankly surprised that he's still an actor. Yeah. And, and, you know, he did lose the weight, but I wonder, look, did he lose the weight yeah. for himself, or was he sick and tired of being cast in that way? Yeah. Um, the whackness really changed his career. Uh, I wish he had. I wish he would get more studio work, because I think he's a good actor. Uh, it's funny, I barely recognized him when I first saw him. I kept looking at him going, why does he seem so familiar, and then slowly it dawned he was on an op- He was an Oppenheimer. Was he? Wow. Well, then again, who isn't in Oppenheimer? <laughs> That's a, yeah, I watched it last week, or, yeah, I mean, less than a week ago, and it was like, oh my god, this cast, I can't even keep keep it all straight. It's bonkers. Yeah. 
Um, but you know, he's he's he has a career. You know, he's doing still doing a lot of TV. Um, but the universe is allowing him to be a grown up, which is great. The so most of this is Canadian actors, but of course they have to have some ringers, especially back in the day. Uh, if you want to get attention from, you know, mainstream audiences. So, you know, Chevy Chase clearly was on this for a week, Pam Greer a day. Um, they're fine. But holy shit, Chris Elliott. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just almost walks away Just, with this. <laughs> I mean, is he the epitome of, like, committing to a role? Yeah, it's so funny because if you look at his early career where he was just like random weirdo characters on David Letterman. He was the guy under yeah. the stairs that would harass Dave. And then because of that, he was able to get a TV show that critics loved, had a very small cult audience, but most people fucking hated Life Goes or not Life Goes On. Uh, um, I can't remember the name of the show. Life... Uh, <laughs> Shit. Well, I know that Cabin Boy is much hated. I'll remember the name of the show. <laughs> what is it fucking called? Can you help me, Mindy? <laughs> no. I can't. Get a life. That's it. Get a life, yes. Uh, okay. but I couldn't think it. Didn't we watch that when it was on TV? Oh, yeah. Life? And I remember, like, our mother being like, oh, this is stupid. And we're like, we love this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we were one of the, like, five people who saw Gavin Boy when it, like, first came out. Yeah, we were we were hardcore, like, Fox people. Because it, it felt yeah. like that was our network. Because it was showing, like, really weird, low budget, but with a very particular attitude and style. You know, like, the... But I think we were really weird from the beginning and I, somehow really oh, appreciated yeah. weird humor yeah just something that well i mean pete pete was like right in our wheelhouse so and then that's yeah. that's the other thing it's like that's the only thing that makes i think this movie um watchable for adults is that it has this oddball vein of humor underneath mm -hmm. all the bland boring stuff that's on top of it I had read in the, like, little facts or whatever that this was originally conceived as an episode of Pete and Pete or something. That that makes sense. Uh, I'm wondering, I would like to go back through the series and and, and revisit, because it's 39 episodes. I bet you I could burn through that like crazy. I wouldn't ask you to watch all 39 episodes, but I would, like, pick the best ones. Um, right, Pete and Pete? Yeah. Yeah, we could do that. I mean, I wouldn't mind, like, you know, like we've done before with various shows. We just watch a couple different episodes. Over. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's been yeah. a few where we watched everything, but this because they were short-lived. They were barely, they weren't even full, like, you know, right. uh, 24 episodes. Um, well, I mean, when we watched, like, um, uh, Erie, Indiana, we just watched, like, a handful. We didn't watch them all. We didn't do that for the show, though. I don't think I watched more. I think I just watched, like, a random smattering. You know that, right? We haven't done Eerie Indiana yet for the show. Oh. what show am I, did we do it for? Uh, well, I know, I know we did Freaks and Geeks. We did, um, what's that one where it was a parody of 90210? We did that a few years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, um. Gross Point. Yes. 
yes. I feel like, well, whatever. Yeah. We're getting really off topic. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I got okay. confused. I don't remember now what we did it for. So. Yeah, we've only done a couple TV shows, usually short-lived. But I eventually, there are TV shows I want to do, but I have to go in and like select very particular important yeah. episodes because there's no way. Facts of Life was on for yeah. nine years. There's no way I can get <laughs> No. Um, so this kind of seems ground zero for a lot of, like, not stars, but because you and I are fucking movie TV nerds, we know these people. Yep. Um, yep. Catherine Isabel, who would show up in Ginger Snaps the next year. Carly Pope. Um, it's just one of those ladies who was just around a lot, especially, like, WB kind of shows. Um, of course, Josh Peck. Uh, is it Schuler Fisk? Skyler Fisk? How do you say her name? From Orange County. Um. I don't actually know how you pronounce her name. Uh, Emmanuel Shirki. Uh, a lot of people know her from Entourage, but she was in a bunch of stuff for a while there. Uh, Mark yeah. Weber. Yeah. Mark Weber is the interesting one because he was an actor and he was a lead for about ten years or support, and then he decided that he wanted to be a writer director, so he just does tiny independent movies now. Yes, I mean he always he for the most part I think did kind of do more independent type stuff even in his acting mm-hmm. uh independent and supporting stuff um i did not remember him this young uh i when i watched it I, I, again i was like oh shit i didn't remember that at all um yeah, so the only thing he did before this that i would know is drive me crazy which i i have no memory of i've seen it but i have no memory of it yeah, no, I don't, I mean, I, yes, yeah, same, exactly. I know I've seen it, don't remember anything, really. Um, but I feel like the first thing I'm, I don't know, I saw The Laramie Project, uh, Broken Flowers, you know, I've definitely seen some of this stuff, but his probably most recognizable role is Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. You know what's funny is I was friends with him on Facebook for a little while, and then he started bugging me for money to raise for his movie, and I don't know why I got so pissed. I was like, you only want to be friends with me because you want money from me. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> that is a little strange. Yeah. Um, that happens a lot, though, now that I've grown up and realized how social media works. A lot of people just use it, in, not yeah. like networking, but also promotion. Like the guy who did The Crow, when he was promoting Gods of Egypt... Like, he had a social yeah. media account, and he was talking to people, whatever, and I talked to him a few times, and we were Facebook friends, and then when the movie came out, he shut down his account. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was pretty much the only reason why I ever had a Twitter account, was to, to try to win win giveaways on Twitter. <laughs> um, I, I do also think it's interesting to, that, like, totally side note, Mark Webber is married to one of the most beautiful women in the entire planet, Teresa Palmer. Oh, and insanely talented, too. Yes. Oh, yes. No, no question on that. But oh, she's warm bodies. You are amazing. <laughs> um. Anyway, I think they must have done a, done some movies together, huh? Is that how they probably worked together, and that's how they met? How does anything happen? Hollywood? I don't know. <laughs> the, 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 so the basic plot of this is it's the end of winter, and they think like the kids are still hopeful for at least one snow day the whole year. And, you know, everybody's basically set themselves in. It's like, nah, it's the end. It's not going to happen. Let's start preparing for warmer it's weather. Unseasonably warm winter. Was it? I thought it was in March is when this was like before no, spring break. I, okay. also, I also thought that it was a freak incident in the springtime. But no, I, rewatching it, it was an un. 
Seasonably warm winter. So, yeah, so the kids, you know, it's just basically like a, a day in the life of their little adventures. I don't particularly care for the romance one because it's been done nah. a million times before. Oh, the right girl is right in front of you, but you're so distracted by that. That's some bullshit cliche stuff. The, the, the interesting stuff is the other things, the little storylines, like the fact that the yes. two parents just cannot please this little kid. <laughs> yes. I think, it, I think it's played a little bit better in, in the, the remake. Um, to the point where like they're prisoners they're like please just let us out I did I did like that change in the storyline that the parents work together um, and the kid kind of you know kind of pulled one over on them um, so that they would spend more time with him and with each other in the original you know they really have separate agendas yeah so well it, it's a shame to have such funny people uh, Gene Smart and Chevy Chase almost never interact yeah and i wonder if i i wonder if chevy's stuff was shot differently like he was only available for a certain window Mm -hmm. or it if it was even shot all in canada or some maybe shot in new york i don't know uh because well it's hard yeah it's it's really interesting because also because he's a name still though he was really at the end of his name uh you know getting movies made is I wonder if they like he had them beef up the story, you know, like, give me something of my yeah. own. Yeah, you know, you know how stars That's are sometimes fair. they want to shine. So that is the one major difference. But everything it's it's weird. Like they they didn't change hardly a fucking thing in the whole mm-hmm. kids versus the snowplow guy, except that he had a robotic bird, which I thought was way funnier than the fucking crow. I don't know why that robot bird cracked me up. It's so ridiculous. It was, it was pretty funny. But in general, though, he just could not compare in any way to Chris Elliott. You know, uh, I, for some reason, every time I had seen the movie, like the, the picture, the image for it, I thought that the person on the cover was Jerry, uh, Jerry O'Connell. In what? And I thought, mm. Huh? What poster? Where at? I'm curious where you thought you of, saw this. Of the new, uh, the, the, the movie cover for the newer version of this Yeah, movie. I, I don't I, know who I thought it was. I had someone in mind. It was like uh, one of those stand-up comedians, I think like Chris Della or something like that. I was like, oh. Yeah. And then I was like, who is this guy? And I, he's like one of those um, Canadian actors who's been in a few things here and there. But He's only really known for, the, for, Dis, uh, for Nickelodeon life. And basically his entire career, I mean, maybe I'm oversimplifying, but the majority of his career was being on a Nickelodeon show. And it was like iCarly. He's like the older brother on iCarly. Oh, okay. So they're still which they're, is which is still which they bought back for a revival. Oh, and so that during that time, I mean, it may still be on now with them as adults. Um, and so I think that maybe was like maybe that's part of the deal. Okay, it is nice they that they don't back. just. I don't like it when they abandon the kids the minute they stop making yeah. money. Like if they're not going to be stars anymore, at least still give them work, but you know, move them down the call sheet a little bit. Because Disney yes. is notorious for dumping these kids and then ruining their yes. lives. That what Brian Bonsall from Blank Check. Blank Check made a lot of money, which I just found out. Made $40 million. It yeah. only cost like eight or nine. And then they're like, yeah, we're, we're done with you, kid. What? You don't just do that to a child. They're not like well, normal. I mean, yeah. that's Hollywood. If they do it to adults, why not do it to kids, too? Yes, it just seems like you would handle it a little bit more carefully. Um, 
so during this era, this is like the peak of soundtracks for movies for teenagers. And I fucking love going through these because a lot of them are of that moment. Um, yes. I love this soundtrack, by the way. I really had fun with it. I don't know who Hoku is. Is she the the daughter of Don Ho? Am I right? Uh, maybe. But maybe. That sounds impossible. Yeah. Plausible. Let me look here. I think that she had several good songs for a while in that time period. Well, it says here she was um, just a one-hit wonder, but you know, one-hit wonder can be subjective based on what charts you're looking at. Yes, she is the daughter of Don Ho. Okay. Because, you know, some of the bands that we loved... They only had one hit in the top forty, and they'll consider them a yeah. yeah. They'll consider them a one-hit wonder, but we're like, no, they had a bunch of MTV videos and hit songs, but it was on alternative radio, not mainstream radio, and that's what I think. Yeah. One-hit wonder usually refers to somebody who um, is only remembered for one song by the mainstream audiences. Yeah. But we, you know, at least I had a tendency to. I mean, I guess there was there were definitely songs or bands that you heard, and you're just like, "Oh, I have no idea what else they sing." But for just just as many, I you know, we listened to their whole albums from beginning to end over and over again. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, we have Jordan Knight. Uh, this is when that the brief period when Backstreet Boys was not together. That's always interesting to me because they were like, "Well, we can't be accepted, even though boy bands are popular right now." And then, like, when they got, when they were way past that era, like, uh, 2008, 2009 is when they got back together, and now they're a nostalgia act. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, LFO. Still, I'm sorry, I'm sorry the guy's dead, but that is one of the worst fucking songs ever to be a one-hit wonder. Chinese uh, food makes me sick, and I think about the girls in the summer, in the summer. If you listen to the song... The lyrics are just random bullshit. There is no plot. I mean, you need, with a song, you need some sort of story. And his is just random things I just thought of that rhyme together. Um, I'm going to tell you uh, that once I basically made a, another girl hate me because that song was out and super popular and I... Um, was saying the exact same things that you were saying now, mm-hmm. but back then. And she loved the song, and so we couldn't ever be friends. Did this happen with you in Achy Breaky Heart? I feel like that happened. Like, you did not like the song as someone else did, and you're like, oh, it's not that good of a song. Like, I definitely could have lost friends over that opinion. I don't recall for sure, but I just very, very vividly remember. I don't think this girl liked me much anyway. And this was my opinion on LFO just pushed over the edge that we were going (laughs) to never be friends. Uh, I'm fine with that because if you like that song, it's something about you. It's I mean you can like I love some stupid songs too, but I know we love no that that is, no that is the no. bottom of the barrel though that's hard to ignore. Um, Ninety eight degrees. Now I don't know these other bands. Boy Zone in my town. Both of those you know nineties early two thousands boy bands. I have no idea who the boy hell. Boy Zone. I don't know. I think some of them were so much one hit wonders that we didn't we yeah. weren't aware of them. No, Sixpence. I don't know. Sixpence and None the Richer. Are they more than a one-hit wonder? I feel like they had, but I also confuse them with the Cardigans. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure that they technically had more than one hit. 
But um, it was one of those bands that, like, I mean, this is a cover, right? That that song on this album is a cover. Yeah. And they really did have, like, their own hit, but they probably were on a lot of soundtracks for a bit, period of time, you know? I wonder why songs are remade. And I want to say not don't need to be remade, but they don't put their own spin on it. So I mean, the song's only like seven years old from uh, "So I Married an Axe Murderer." It was still timely sound. Why not just use the original one and save yourself money? It's so weird because it's not like so. There's a few originals on here, so you would think that you would have. Oh well, if you're gonna have Foreigner, why don't you have a modern ad cover that song? I don't, you know. Or, Maybe they spent all their money on that one song. <laughs> um, where are we at? Smash Mouth, of oh, course. Wow. How many? Th- this is, I think, another one of the singles off this is Come On, Come On, because I know it's on their greatest hits album. Smash Mouth, to some people, is a one-hit wonder because of All Star was so fucking big, but they weren't. They had like six or seven songs that charted, just mostly like, you know, top alternative, you know, kind of stuff. But man, this is the era where they decided, oh, we need to be on every single fucking soundtrack humanly possible to keep relevant. They were so overly ex- overly exposed, in my opinion, for, uh-huh. and not very good. It's I, I'm fine with them, but I know they're not good. You know what I mean? Like, I still love them. I'll still listen to them. But I'm like, after that first, yeah. maybe the first three albums are noteworthy. Then after that, they were just phoning it in. Just formula, 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 cover song, cover song, you know? Yeah. Um, the hippos are on here, so I fucking love the hippos. They're like Weezer or um, uh, Fountains of Wayne, like that kind of band, but nobody's going to know who they are. Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, again, yeah. another band that was on a lot of soundtracks. I feel like Mighty Mighty Boss Tones and Smash Mouth really are, like, there's only, like, one degree of separation between those bands. Well, the difference between uh, Smash Mouth and uh, uh, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, and not a lot of people will know it unless you're a hardcore ska guy like I am, Mm-hmm. Money, Money, Boston's were very political, very forward-thinking, smart, and their first two albums were like almost like hardcore. If you know what that is, it's like a it's like a mixture of like thrash and uh, punk. Um, but then, like the the album that everybody knows, the one with the impression I get was more mainstream. Yeah. The, uh, but yeah, the, they're I definitely they, had a spa phase. They what? Oh yeah. Well, I you, definitely I had one, and I was out there. Skanking for my life. For a, few years. <laughs> a lot. When I bring up Scott now, people are like, "Ooh," but I'm like, "No, no, no, no." It's still some good stuff in there. Yes, a lot of it was amateurish because yeah. it was a bunch of high school kids in band class getting together in their their parents' garage, and they lasted yeah. for a few albums. But there's some guys out there that were really like talented, and I mean, the reason Bill Rob Big Fish are silly, but they're still together for a reason, and people love that yeah. they have like really fun arena style ska. Um, I don't know what to tell you about the songs from the <laughs> the remake. They're fine. <laughs> There's nothing fancy. They clearly just... I mean, it's a Paramount Plus movie, so they didn't want to spend a lot of money. Why it, it just feels like... Um, like, maybe the throwaway songs from, like, High School Musical. Kind of. Or, or I mean, at least it's not a jukebox musical, which drives me nuts about the value... Yeah, I hate... I hate jukebox. Musicals. Yeah, yeah, the Valley Girl musical, if I remember correctly, is all jukebox songs. And none of it really uh, makes sense because Alicia Silverstone is telling this story, but she's not telling it from her perspective, apparently, or she's 60 uh, years old. <laughs> and she's not, so it didn't make any sense to me. I'd say skip 
Skip the Valley Girl remake. There's a reason why I got sent straight to video and sat on a shelf for three yeah, years. Yeah, I still haven't watched it. Yeah. I don't know. We're we're gonna end up watching the original real soon here because I want to start start like, get our, our list clear of all the '80s movies. Um, like yeah. I said, is there anything else you want to say about this? I really don't know what this this didn't go as well as planned. We kind of just blurred both movies together, um, yeah. which is fine. I don't know. Like, I think that the original had a, a certain kind of charm that while the remake is pretty much the same freaking script, just doesn't have the same charm because... I don't know. I'm not sure why. Because they didn't lean into the weirdness. They didn't... Um, well, except for the uh, robot bird. That's fucking weird. Too, yeah. It's just a little too cheesy. Generic. The music. Yeah. The kid. So Mark Webber is just a normal dude. He's not an outcast. He's just a normal dude who kind of just sticks in his own lane when he until he decides he doesn't want to stick in his own lane anymore. And mm-hmm. um, I really like the part that everybody finds out that Emmanuel Cherokee's character is single now. And she's overwhelmed. Like, what the fuck? I don't want any of this. Like, they treat her like a real yeah. person. Where I really didn't feel that in the remake. They treat her like a real person. They're just like, oh, yeah. she's just there for him to um, idolize. Yeah, I don't know. There's just a few things that I don't think were presented correctly. Yeah. And, and the boyfriend... <laughs> It's another one of those cliches where I just don't understand why they're together in any way. It was, and even when they try to like, oh, he's trying to, he's stupid, but he's trying to be sweet or whatever. And she's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, no, I just, it doesn't work for me. It, I don't know that cliche yeah. of the, why are you with this idiot? Like, explain it to me. Yeah. Because <laughs> if they were gonna do that, they should have introduced something about her personality that wanted to be, like, she was damaged for some reason and she wanted to be protected by him, even though he's dumb, he was still big and tough. That she knew that she'd be safe. Yeah. Like something, explain it. Yeah. I don't uh, know, man. Yeah. That's it for us here at We Got the Beat. Um Mindy, you wanna send us out? Say goodbye. Uh just wanna say like just go watch the OG version. Don't don't bother with the new one. Alrighty. Um have fun, be cheesy, be a little weird, and see you next time. Alright. Laters. <laughs>